Uh, so if you haven't been with us, uh, we've been doing a series in uh, the book of Proverbs. And so Pastor Chris kind of assigned each one of uh, us four pastors, or the, the other three rather, uh, particular topics to talk about. And you probably heard last week, as Jared said, I get to talk about talking. And uh, I, I remember when Chris was telling me, he's like, hey, you're going to speak about the tongue. And then he laughed. And I'm like, I don't think that's good. And then I've had several people um, all week come up to me and say, man, I'm really looking forward to your message. And then snicker and walk away. Like, so I don't know if that's um, a backhanded compliment or... Or maybe they think I'm going to do something embarrassing. If you thought I was going to do something embarrassing, there's a lot of time left, but you missed it. Some people got to see it. I tripped going up the steps into the sound booth between services. Bill Crane got to see that. He laughed enthusiastically in the Lord about that. So <laughs> we'll try not to embarrass myself too much more. Uh, in all seriousness, this has been a very intimidating topic to talk about because it's not like I just get to preach on uh, any topic. I have to speak about speaking. That's kind of a dangerous thing to do. And I had this great endeavor, the first service, and I told the first service, I said, hey, I'm going to try to use half as many words to communicate my ideas today. And I still went 14 minutes longer than I was supposed to. So I nailed that one for sure. Yeah, did a good job on that one. But in all seriousness, uh, I hope that you've come this morning to be willing uh, to be open to receiving something from the Spirit because this is a subject that's been very convicting in my life this week um, when I really have stopped to consider what comes out of my mouth. I've been pretty appalled at what has come out of my mouth. When I really take an inventory of the things that I say, the tone that I use, the inflection of my voice, and how I treat those around me, it's a pretty um, eye-opening revelation. And so I hope that I can convey what Scripture has to say about the tongue today and so that you'd be willing to really uh, make this, this verse your prayer. And let's go before the Lord and, and ask the Lord to make this verse our prayer. Father, as we begin, uh, we recognize, God, that we are uh, frail, uh, fragile, finite people who need you. That we cannot come before you and act as if we have it all together, even if we had a good week. Uh, we need your mercy extended to us. We need your grace continually extended to us. And this morning, Lord, my prayer is uh, Psalm 139.24. Father, see if there'd be any wicked way, any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. God, as we come before you, I pray that we would really be willing to evaluate our own heart in regards to the tongue. That we would take a special inventory on what we say to those around us and the motives for why we say those things. God, may this truly be, Kent City Baptist Church, truly be a place where your name goes forward by this bride. We're in unity, Lord. We are one. 
In your name we are one, with one heart, one purpose, and that is to honor you and to make you known. We pray this in your name. Amen. You and I have been given one of the most amazing and powerful gifts any human could ever desire to have. That gift is your mouth, your tongue, your ability to express words, to self-express, to communicate to other human beings, to communicate your thoughts about yourself, to communicate your thoughts about other people. It's a tremendous gift, and with it comes incredible power and responsibility. With our words, we wield the power to love, to hate, to destroy, to drive away, to betray, to abandon, to heal, to restore, to divide, to conquer, to win, to humiliate, to belittle, to oppress, to give hope, to set free, to forgive, to imprison, to build up, to crush, to close off, to give security, or to destroy security. I could literally stand here the rest of my time and just read off words that describe the ability that we have to use our tongues for good or for evil. The, the list is endless. This morning as, uh, as we've come here, I've um, I spent the week going through Scripture mainly Proverbs, but going through Scripture and looking and saying, what, what does the Bible have to say about our tongue? And there were four things, four themes that came out that I feel are uh, really pretty important to talk about this morning. And some of them are found in Proverbs, some of them are found in other verses, so forgive me for those of you that believe this is strictly a Proverbs series. Uh, we're going to look at other portions of Scripture this morning, but there's four thematic ideas that I want to talk about. But before we go into that, I want to give you an illustration of uh, the power of your words. If you're into titles for sermons, the title is The Power of the Tongue. There was a kid several, several years ago that attended our church. And uh, he had stepped up into our junior high ministry. And one of the first activities he had come to, um, we were taking a van somewhere and he was in the back of the van. And he was being a typical junior high boy. What does that mean? That means he was loud. He was uh, maybe, maybe flinging boogers at people. That could or could not happen, possibly, on some of our events. Right, Dolan? Yes, it does. It happens. He's shaking his head because he does it. Uh, he's a typical junior high boy. He's a great kid. He's a great kid. Happy, go lucky, excited about life. He loved life. And he was loud. And everywhere he went, he made a lot of noise. And that's okay. That's okay, right? That's okay. But that wasn't okay with some people in the van. And this was a mixed group, mixed uh, older and younger kids. And so he was being goofy with his buddies in the back of the van, being loud, punching each other. I don't know what they were doing. And all of a sudden, one of the older students turned around and said, Shut up! Man, you're annoying! Dude, you're so irritating! Just calm down! 
And he was like, what in the world? Like he just stepped up into our ministry. Kind of uh, one of his first activities. Thought he was just having fun. Thought he was allowed to be himself. But one person chose to use a couple small phrases that carried with it a tremendous amount of power. And so that day he decided, fine, I'm not going to be myself. In fact, I'm going to do whatever I can to never be an irritant to anyone ever again. And so that summer, from a distance, I watched him change. And it happened really, really quick. He started closing off. He stopped being that happy-go-lucky person. He started being very quiet, very internal. He changed his appearance. He changed his hair. He changed his clothes. Um, I believe he, he actually they dropped out of public school, started doing homeschooling. And he kind of holed himself up in the basement, and he did, home, he did homeschool, and he played video games. And he closed himself off to everybody around him. Closed his parents out, closed his siblings out, closed all of the friends he had out, had before out. Became a very dark, dark person. He closed God out. He, he decided, this is how Christians treat people. Why, why would I want to have anything to do with that? So he went on this, this dark path. Just, be, just because one person decided he was an irritant, because one person couldn't handle the goofiness of a typical junior high boy, and though they decided they had the right to tell them to shut up and conform to what I want, our words, your words, have tremendous power. They are more powerful than the mightiest of person. And they carry with them tremendous consequences. So for five years, this kid off and on would once in a while come to youth group. Uh, he would come and he was, he was different because he chose to be different because he didn't want to be like those people who treated him so poorly. And around his senior year, um, I called him up and said, hey man, let's, let's go out to lunch. So we went out to lunch and I remember where we went. We went to the Taco Bell on Alpine. And uh, yeah, I, I just... There's some, sometimes, guys, there's these distinct meetings you have with people, and you remember every detail about it. You know, you remember where you were when. That was one of those moments for me with students. And I sat down across with this person, and I said, I looked at him, and I said, this thing you got going on, it's a facade, isn't it? It's a joke, isn't it? It's not really who you are, is it? The thing you've tried to be for the last five years isn't who you are, is it? Because I see glimmers of, of who you really are. And this, what you're doing, you're protecting yourself from something. And he looked at me and he looked at the table and he looked up and he said, I am going to admit to you, yes, this is not who I am. And so he began to tell me what happened five years previously that started him down this track of isolating people and shutting people out and shutting his folks out and shutting the Lord out. And it all began because of one older student who just happened to be a little irritated, who used their power to shape this kid into a dark person. 
Now, you could say, hey, that kid had responsibility. Absolutely, he had responsibility in receiving it. He was a 13-year-old impressionable kid coming into youth group looking for safety, looking for a place to belong, and an older student dropped the ball. And, and, an, and an older student chose to just be sinful and fleshly. Your words have power. About two years after that little meeting with him, I saw him. He called me up, actually. Uh, his hair was back to normal color in a normal, quote-unquote, whatever normal is, right? Normal style. I mean, some people say, I've got a weird hair going on. I think my hair's sweet, personally, but whatever. <laughs> but he stopped dressing the way he was dressing. He called me up, and I could hear it in his voice. I'm like, that's that 13-year-old kid. I can hear it. The happy, go-lucky, life-breathing and he's like 19, 20 at this time. And God got a hold of his life and ripped all that stuff out of his life and he found who he was meant to be in the Lord. Amen, exactly. The first point, Proverbs 18, 21. Go to Proverbs 18, 21. Really, the entire message is built upon this premise, this idea. And we're, we're going to talk probably most of our time or the majority of our time on this point, but we'll get to the other three as well. But the first point is no the power of your tongue. Know the power of your tongue. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Here's my first question for you as you take an inventory of your life. Are you speaking life into people? Strengthening? Or are you speaking death into people? Weakening? Stripping them of good things, stripping them of what they need to become what Jesus wants them to be. Sorry, my message is out of order. That's not good. There we go. More scripture on the idea of words of death. Proverbs twelve eighteen. One who uses rash words are like sword thrust. You ever been a, with a person who uh, they just pick little things? Maybe you work with someone like that, and they say these little things all day. They're like little, just little tears, little pokes. Oh, oh, they kind of sting. They kind of sting. But like after eight hours of working with that, you get pretty frustrated, don't you? Being mistreated, being poked, being constantly thrusted at with these hurtful words. Proverbs 15.4 says, Perverseness from the tongue breaks the spirit. It corrupts the soul. It tears at who you are. Having death spoken into your life over and over and over. James 3.5-6 says, The tongue is like a small spark that sets the whole forest on fire. Uh, two years ago, I was cleaning out my wood boiler. And maybe, maybe some of you have done this. Um, probably not many of you will admit to it like I will. But I was cleaning out my wood boiler and I thought that the ashes were merely just ashes, that there weren't any live embers in there. And so I just threw them into the woods <laughs> and spread them out, <laughs> sending my little message of hope to my neighbors. And uh, I went about cleaning out the garage. I don't remember. I was doing a bunch of stuff. And I look over, and my woods is on fire. 
Lots of it. Uh, it was a beaming light. It was, and I'm, you know, it's a small little ember. I didn't even think it was still, you know, it was still sparky. <laughs> I thought it was gone. And I look over and there's just pieces. I don't, I think you were inside and I concealed this from you, my lovely wife. And, uh, you know, it's only like 50, yard, or 50 feet from my house, so it wasn't a big deal, right? Yeah. And so there's these little patches of fire all over the place. And it had already gotten, I had a, a 24-foot extension fiberglass ladder, and it had already started eating that. And so it ate this nice ladder up, and I still have it, and I use it every now and then when I'm feeling saucy and risky. But uh, all because of this little innocent, it's just a little innocent ember. It never meant no harm. Just threw him out there. He's just a little buddy. Our tongue is like this little, not so innocent though, actually. Actually pretty deceitful and pretty evil, pretty intentional with wanting to hurt. But, but James says our tongue is like the small spark. We shoot these little sparks out. No big deal. Let me ask you this. Are you, are you a person that's kind of like the, the spark? You provide that spark and maybe you even uh, bring it into another circle of people and maybe someone else in that circle, they're the, they're the little breeze that comes along, helps blow that little spark into a larger, sustainable fire. I think if we're honest, all of us do that, have done that, maybe even currently did that this week. Or are you that person that will come in and say, man, this has got to stop. You can't talk like that about this person. It's not right. Or what you're saying just isn't, it simply isn't true. You're spreading something that's not true. You need to stop. Far too often we don't do that because we're afraid of making someone feel bad or we're afraid of, uh, you know, looking like the, the holier than thou. I don't, I don't know what it is. But it's rampant in the church. Gossip and slander. The tongue that sets the whole forest ablaze. But here's some uh, signs that maybe you're bringing death through your conversation. Maybe this is you, maybe it's not. Maybe it's you once in a while. Maybe it was you this week. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it was you this morning. You often have a critical word to give to someone, whether it's about them or to their face or through so- social media or to strangers or to people you know alike. Like if you've ever clicked on a news story online, you've read the, you know, read the interesting story, and then there's always a chat board after that. It's, it boggles my mind. Like, it could be a heartwarming story about a puppy with one eye, you know, this adorable little thing. And, and people will get on there and just trash how the puppy should be killed, maybe, because it only has one eye. They have a critical comment for everything. Are you that person? You've got this critical comment for everything and everyone around you, whether it's to their face or it's behind their back. Those are words of death. Those kill and they destroy. Or maybe, you're, maybe you even have a reputation. Maybe you have a reputation of being known as someone who gossips and slanders, who are just outright lies about other people. Maybe you kind of thrive off of that. That's not good. It's not good to be known for that spreading your little gospel of death. Or maybe you're really quick to retaliate when you've been offended. You know, someone came up to me in the first service and they said, you know, you, you talked about 
Um, you talked about how, you know, we need to make things right if we offend someone. And, and this person said, you know, but there's another half to that. And the other half is, quit being offended. You guys notice, we're, we're the generation of, of, of offense. Oh, you wore a blue shirt. I'm offended. Get out of here. What's wrong with us? Seriously, what's wrong with our generation and our culture? I mean, it's, it's sin, right? It's pride. We're so easily offended by everything. We can choose not to be offended. We could just choose to say, I'm going to let it roll off my back. I'm going to give someone forgiveness and grace and just let it go. Or maybe you just speak out of anger. So you just, poof, you sword thrust what you want to say because you're justified because you're angry and they need to know that you're angry. So you have the right to say whatever you want because you're angry and that makes it okay, right? That makes it okay. I was thinking through, why do we do this? Like, again, this was a very convicting message for me and I had to take a real long look at what, what's the motivation behind why I'm so destructive with my tongue? At the root of it, what, what's really going on here? And we're going to talk about the heart in a little bit. And if that's really the reality, is it's our, our heart issue. But here's, here's some of the things that I think that play into this. Why am I so destructive? Why are we so destructive with our tongue? Why do we breathe death into people's lives? Because we're insecure. We're constantly trying to find security. And it's, this isn't just a young person thing. This is a, my whole life thing. We're always trying to find some level of security. And God has already told you where you find your security. But it's like we, we need to be reminded this daily. Your security comes from the personhood of Jesus Christ who gave his life for you, has set you free from sin and death. That's where you find your security. So you don't have to trash the person next to you for whatever reason. Oftentimes we use destructive words because we want to win, right? We just want to win. We want to be right. Or we want a place to belong. We want a group to belong to. And so maybe by speaking this way about these people, I'll fit in in this group and I will be accepted and now I'll be on the end. Now, me getting on the end might have, you know, required me kicking someone else on the out, but at least I'm in and I'm safe now. That is the root of evil, man. And it is not what God has designed for his people, living in community, living in harmony. Why, do we, why are we destructive with our tongue? Because we want to be seen as superior. We want to see, be seen as better than other people, above, on top. Or maybe we're destructive because we've been hurt, as I said earlier, so we think we have the right to then hurt someone else. We see that, our, our marriage, like marriages, is, that's, that's a pretty big issue. You're going to hurt me? Okay, fine, I'm just going to hurt you back. So I'm going to shoot off whatever I want to say in order to make myself feel good and justified and defend my side of the issue really not thinking through the reality of what I just said and how, as I'm saying that, I'm slowly killing you with my words. Or we speak in uh, ways of disparaging content about others because we're so jealous who they are, jealous of what they have, jealous of where they're at in life, jealous of their house, jealous of their career, jealous of their spouse, jealous of how perfect their kids are. 
so we just spew death all around us because that's all we can think to do. Or maybe uh, as a parent, this is why sometimes we have a destructive tongue. We simply want to control someone else's actions. You know, doing this kind of message forces you to really think about your parenting style and realize, not doing such a good job. (laughs) Realizing, man, I wasn't given authority by God to control my children, to control their outcome, to control their behavior. I was given them to hopefully help cultivate this seed of Jesus in them and lovingly guide them to know Christ, not to try to control them, not to try to keep them quiet and tell them to shut up and do what I want you to do and do it when I want you to do it and do it how I want you to do it. If you don't do it perfect, I'm going to slam you about it and I'm not going to affirm you. Those are words of death. Have you ever, have you ever uh, snapped at one of your kids and you, in, you can, it's almost like you, you could see a part of their soul leave Please tell me I'm not the only person that has failed as a parent in this place. Man, I'm not allowed to, to do that. That's not my job. That's not what God's called me to do as a parent. Words of death. We don't even realize are killing the inside of another person. Well, what does Scripture say about the tongue that produces life? Proverbs 12:18 says, The tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. And Ephesians 4.29 says, To use words that build each other up. Well, maybe hopefully these things describe you, signs that uh, you're bringing forth life. You use words to comfort others even when, uh, excuse me, use words to comfort others when they are hurting, even if they're people that have hurt you in the past. You ever had the opportunity to come alongside of someone who's going through some tough times? Maybe you have a long history with that person and there's been times in the history of your relationship where they've really hurt you or they've really said some things about you behind your back and, and they don't know that you know that they said these things. And here's your opportunity. Put your foot on them and crush them good. And you're like, nope. I'm going to help them out. I'm going to speak words of comfort. Because a wise person speaks words of healing. Or maybe you are willing to offer up words to someone to help bring security to them. They're in a desperate situation. They're in a hopeless situation. Maybe they're, in a, they're going through a, a relational issue with their spouse or with a close friend or with a sibling or with a, with a parent. And you can come alongside and provide some level of stability for them. That's what we've been created for. That's why we've been given the body. Not to compete. Not to see who can get on top. Who can be the best. I win. I won. I won. Great. You won. Good job. You're there all by yourself. Nobody wants to be with you because you're a jerk. Good job. Way to win. Man, that's not... I just realized, guys, like for me this last week, I realized, like, Derek, you do a lot of these things. Like, there's a lot of things that have to change about how you use the power of your words and your tongue and the inflection of, of what you're really communicating. That, you know, that, that phrase, can't we all just get along? <laughs> can't we all just get along? Can't we all have a, an intention of wanting to build each other up? 
That's like a happy utopia that doesn't exist here in this fallen world. But man, we have been commanded to strive towards that. Or maybe uh, this is you, hopefully this is you. You're willing to extend words of forgiveness and seek relationship restoration. When you've been hurt, you didn't sit and just stew on it, but you used your power of your words, your heart intentions to extend forgiveness, to verbally come to someone and say, you might not even know how you've offended me. You might not even know what you've done. But I just want to let you know, man, like I've dealt with the Lord and I forgive you. And, and oftentimes people do know. That's the reality. But we sit back and we wait. We're going to wait for them to come. Maybe you actively look for ways to build someone else up. You speak hope, confidence, and vision into others' lives. And as I just alluded to, you set others free from bitterness, hurt, and betrayal. Those are speaking words of life. When I was in high school, we had a youth pastor uh, that we hired. And prior to that, I was uh, a goofy, I know it's hard to believe, establish that word with me, associate that word with me, it's hard to believe. I was a goofy, um, kind of dorky, 15-year-old kid that kind of had no direction in life. Um, and really, because of, some of the, the, because of some of the word phrases that, that certain people around me used, I really didn't believe I was that valuable. I really didn't think I was that special. I really didn't think I, I had a whole lot of self-worth. And, and probably many of us have been there at times in our life where we have, we've listened to the death, the words of death from different people in our lives. And we begin believing them to the point where they have so shaped us and molded us to these paralyzed uh, beings that God never created us to be. And so I was kind of like that. And we hired this youth pastor and he came in and he was this loud, boisterous character. Uh, very extroverted. And uh, he started taking me out to play basketball and you know, we'd go out to lunch and he talked to me about life. And he quickly realized, he quickly noticed like, I, you know, I had, this, uh, I had this opinion of myself that I was forming that was very unhealthy, and it was very ungodly. It was not a biblical perspective on how God created me to be. And he breathed words of life into me. Now, he didn't fabricate things. Hey, you're really great at basketball, when I wasn't. He was very sincere, but he, what the words of life he breathed was, you have value. God has created you in his image and he wants to do something with your life. And the last thing I ever would imagine was that God would call me to stand in front of people and talk a lot. Believe it or not, there was a time in my life where I did not like to talk a lot, particularly in front of people. But as God worked and changed and as this, this guy, this young youth pastor began to build into me and breathe words of life into me and show me who Jesus was and show me that Jesus accepted me even with all my flaws and all my issues, that God still loved me and he wanted me and he had purpose for me, I began to believe the truth of Scripture and it changed my outlook on life. And it gave me a confidence that was not from the world but it was from God himself that said, you can do great things in my name and my power. 
That's why I became a youth pastor, you guys, for those of you who don't know. There's nothing greater. Sorry, I get emotional. I see Dawson sitting there. And Dayton was in, Dayton's right there. There's nothing greater than pouring your life into someone else. And speaking words of life to them. Every one of us has the power to do that. Every one of us. To take the time to say, man, I see this in you. I see what God's doing in your life. I know what you did in the past. It's all right. God still loves you, doesn't he, Dawson? Those words of life, they truly give life more than you could ever know. Just in the same token, when you speak words of death, they destroy more than you could ever know. And some of you have been on the recipient of that, where you're walking through situations where you've had death spoken to you for a long time. And you're, still, you're just trying to hang on. Let us be the changing agent today. Say, God, help me. Help me to be that source that speaks words of life. I'm sorry I get so emotional. But it's heavy stuff, man. It's heavy, heavy stuff. That youth pastor 20, 25 years ago only had to say one thing. And it changed the whole course of my life. The whole course. I can be done with that point. You just got to know your power, man. You got to know the power of your tongue. The way you speak to your kids. The way, the way you speak to your spouse. Well, the second point is equally as important. Guard your tongue. There are several Proverbs that talk about our responsibility to guard our mouth, to watch what comes out of our mouth. Do you actively guard your mouth so that you're speaking words that are beneficial to others? Proverbs 13.3 says, Who guards his mouth preserves his life. Really what that means is there are situations where if you say the wrong thing, you might get punched in the face. You say the wrong thing to the wrong person on the wrong day, they might cause physical harm to you. You'd be wise to keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. No kidding. Yep. Have you ever been in the situation where you said something and you're like, Oh, yeah, I just made that situation worse. Whoops. My bad. That happened a lot when I was a kid with my mom. Just say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Hey, I need you to take the trash out. I don't want to take the trash out. You can take the trash out. Whoops. As her hand raised and seemingly got larger and larger as it was coming towards me. Whoever guards his mouth and keeps his tongue, or guards his tongue, keeps himself out of trouble. Man, we, we all could live by that one, especially in our marriages, men, right? Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. So the mouth of the wicked just says whatever they want. It shoots off their mouth. They respond however they want, regardless of what's been said to them. They, they just say what they want because they have the right to. I've been offended, so I'm going to shoot my mouth off. The righteous person says, I'm going to reread that email before I send it. Then I'm going to pray about it. 
then I'm going to ask my Christian brother, should I send it? The righteous person stops and considers, what potential damage could I do if I send this email, if I make that statement, if I respond to that voicemail? It is not easy to do, is it? It's not easy to do. Those of you that know me, and some of you know me fairly well, I'm a pretty emotive person, as you can tell. I'm pretty passionate, and I like to express myself. And oftentimes, I like to express myself immediately after someone else has expressed themselves to me. And that doesn't always go well. So this verse hits home for me to say, man, what does it look like in a high-intense situation to stop, step back from the passion that resides within you, Derek, and evaluate what's the correct response in the situation? What's going to bring life into the situation instead of death. Well, what benefits are there of choosing to be protective and intentional with your words? Number one, we can avoid a lot of unnecessary quarreling and arguing. Number two, we, uh, if we guard our lips more often, hopefully we won't say things that we can't get back. Have you ever done that? You said something and you realize, man, I wish I could get that back right now. Or you typed it. Ugh. Yeah, I just heightened that fire. I didn't diffuse it. Or we can avoid wasting emotional investment in a, in a situation that probably doesn't even deserve or require that level of emotional investment. So I don't know if I told my wife I did this or not, so this might be somewhat of a revelation to my wife right now. Surprise! <laughs> just kidding, it's not that bad. So this week... You know, I mean, I'm thinking about the mouth and thinking about the tongue and thinking about how a horrible sinner I am and I'm an idiot. And like every, every, everything that comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh my gosh, I messed up again. And so <laughs> I'm prepping for this at home and I hear my kids in the faint distance and their lovely angel-like voices. You're a jerk! No, you're a jerk! I'm going to punch you! And I'm like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to use as an illustration. And so I got, I mean, I don't know, this is probably, I don't know, I might get in trouble. So I took my phone and I recorded their conversation. So I'm like, let's just see what happens. So I'm not going to play it. Oh my goodness, I already deleted it. Play it, play it. So, so I, I recorded this conversation. You know, I'm around, they're down in the basement, and of course their little angel-like voices carry really well. And so I, I play my little phone and have it, you know, recording. And, and it just goes on for about 30 seconds. And I'm like, Man, I'm a horrible parent. I'm doing such a bad job, Jesus. Help me. Help me, Jesus, to get the spawn of Satan out of my kids. And so it kind of stops for a minute, but it didn't stop. Like, it would have kept going. So finally, I hit the stop button, and I I said, okay, guys, come up. I I got a surprise for you. Ice cream? Nope. So I'm like, hey, guys. And I did this calm, Katie. I know it's hard to believe, but I calmly was like, Trying actually not to laugh. It's like little evil children, but it was kind of funny, but it wasn't funny. So I sit down on the couch, and I'm like, hey, guys, do you think that was necessary? What do you mean? I said, well, listen, play. You know, and it's, every, it's, it's, like, it's like what I think about when I get to heaven, and God's going to be like, here's the, ar- here's the archives of all the stupid, idiotic things you said about me, about your friends, about your wife, maybe. And I'm going to play them all, and it's going to be fun. Get your popcorn. 
And I, I was thinking, I'm like, dude, I hope God's not recording this. Like, I think that so often in my life. Please edit. So I play this, and my kids, you can just see them. They're sitting there like, they're trying to hide behind a pillow. It's so embarrassing. And all I said was, what do you guys think? We're stupid. It's embarrassing. We probably shouldn't call each other dumb butt jerk faces. Like, yeah, please don't use that phrase, at least not outside the home. Represent us a little bit better. But it's embarrassing. My point is it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. We just let our mouth go. We say whatever we want. And we look like infantile fools. Think about that view of the holiness of God. He's got to be like, hmm. I can't listen to that one. He's got to be like, what's wrong with you people, man? I gave you the most amazing gift possible. Guard your mouth. What's required in being able to guard our mouth is considering this. Think about others before you speak. Think about them. I am thinking about them. They're jerks. No, that's not what I mean. Think about the fact they've been made in the image of the Lord. That they've been given as gifts to you in your life, whether it's your spouse, your children, your close family members. And then let go of your right to be right. Step back, ponder your response, and let go of your right to be right. Is this worth the emotional investment that I'm pouring into it? You know what my kids were arguing about? I didn't tell the first service I forgot. Okay, this is what they were arguing about. They were playing music, and their stuffed animals were actually the singers of the music, and they were rating who won and who lost. And so Jackson was like, my animal's always losing. How come it never wins? And Isabel's like, well, sometimes it has to tie. That's what they're arguing about. Wasted emotional investment. And you can laugh at that, but what did you argue with your spouse about last night? Who ate the last chip? <laughs> Didn't pick up his towel. Oh my gosh. Seriously, we're so infantile, man. We need to learn to guard our mouth. And here's the final thing. We've got to ask for God's help. We've got to ask for God's help. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ooh, that's a good one. I had to text that to my wife this week. Yeah. Full disclosure. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just shoot from the mouth. God, guard my mouth. Because our tongue has the power to destroy or the power to give life. It does. It just, it just does. Well, the third thing I want to chat about for a moment. Uh, James. Sorry, I got my papers messed up. Uh, James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. James says, with a tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with, with it we curse 
human beings who've been made in the image of God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. He's talking to the church. He wasn't talking to a bunch of people at a football game or a UFC event. He was talking to a church. Some of you are praising the Lord, and then at the same time, you are trashing, disparaging the character and personhood of your brothers and sisters. What's wrong with you? God has given us a tongue to bless him, to bless others, not to disparage, not to tear apart. Here's my real talk. Okay, real talk, like real raw talk, like honest. I get it. People are irritating. Can I get an amen? No, you're not supposed to do that. That was a trick. Oh, man, you all fail miserably. In my flesh, people are irritating. They're annoying. They do stupid things. They're selfish. They only consider how they can please themselves. They're inconsiderate. They want something for nothing. Those doggone millennials. They're arrogant. They're stuck up. They're evil at their core. They're fully flawed. They're deceptive. They lie. They cheat. They steal. And they destroy. And I just described every one of us in the room. That's us. Because we, all of us have been on the other end of that. We've been the irritant, the one that was annoying, the one that did this, the one that did that. All of us are flawed to the core. Can we extend maybe a little bit of grace to each other? Can we start here in the body of Christ and extend a little bit of grace? What right do I think I have to be the one who determines who I'm going to be kind to and who I'm going to disparage? The one I'm going to choose to say, hey, this person's worthy in my book and this person isn't, so I'm going to talk about them in a way that puts them in a bad light so that I look better. Regardless of what they've done to me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, my only response in those situations, any situation involved with my tongue, is to extend grace to people and agape love, which means unconditional love. That's my only response. So what can I do to avoid disparaging others, cursing others, talking poorly about others, mis misrepresenting other people? Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Wow, that sounds like it probably applies to today's culture. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. You got offended? Get over it. Get over it. Stop being so easily offended. Get over it. And have love for people. Let them off the hook once in a while. They might have had a really bad day. I'm not saying it's right what they did. What I'm saying is you have just as much responsibility to choose to look past that offense and let it go and not be hung up on it so that you don't spread it on down the line, that cancerous gossip, slander, garbage that destroys the unity of the bride of Christ. That's the objective of Satan. 1 Peter 5, 8. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he does it through church social groups, spreading little gospels of slander and gossip and tearing at each other. Proverbs 26, 20 says, For the lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Huh. Interesting. I stop putting wood in the fire, and the fire goes out. I stop spreading lies, or I stop spreading something that may be true, but it puts someone in a really crappy light, people stop talking about it. Strange. That is like so opposite of what's inside of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what generation you're from. We all lack a little juicy piece of gossip. Ooh, I want to hear it. Fill my ears. Man, we got to let go of that stuff. That is destroying the church. It's destroying the unity of the body of believers. So here's a small application to this, and then one more point. Stop spreading ill words that someone has shared with you. Take it a step even further. If they want to engage you with, guess what I heard? Refuse to listen! No! I'm not going to listen! I don't want to listen to it! Get away, Satan! Maybe don't call him Satan. That might might not help your cause. But refuse it. Say, no, man, I don't don't want to to listen to that, dude. Like, yeah, I know the situation you're talking about, and what you just communicated is not all the facts of what happened. But if you really want to know what's going on with that situation, or you've been offended, you need to talk to that person. Go talk to them. Don't, don't keep spreading stuff, man. It's just going to create more division. That's, that, you are just playing right into Satan's hand. That's exactly what it want, he wants you to do. Why has God given us this tongue? To honor the one who's created us. To make known the glory of Christ. To express love and reconciliation to others around us. That's why he's given us the heart, the seat of emotions, the ability to express what we're thinking and feeling so that we make him known. That's it. That's the only purpose right there. But we spend so much of our time expressing other ideas and other things. Final idea, and this one really kind of wraps everything up. And it's really the root of uh, what comes out of us. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Very simply put, what is in you is what's coming out. So the question is, what have you been storing in your heart? What have you been feeding your soul on? Things that are good, things that are righteous, things that are producing life in other people, or things that are wicked. Things that you know are going to cause division. Things that you know repeated are only going to bring hurt and further abandonment. So let's do a heart check real quick. Have you been hanging on to bitterness or anger against someone else because of something they've said or, or did or something they did not do? 
Well, they didn't do this, so I'm angry. Okay, they didn't know that was even going on in your life. Sorry. Have you felt betrayed by someone leading you to disparage them in some of your so social circles? You feel you should be treated better than you have been by someone, and thus you feel you have the right to treat and speak to them in a harsh tone until they have adequately paid for their transgressions against you. I'll just wait, wait it out. In all seriousness, this morning, if you come and you have something that's lingering and hanging out in regards to a relationship, a severed relationship, or a relationship that, like I've had this in my heart and I've been hanging on to this against this person, and they may not even know that I have this. Matthew 18, 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and, you, uh, you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. In other words, go. Make it right. Go and make it right. And as you do that, follow James 1.19 principle. Be willing to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry as you move towards reconciliation. It's really, really easy to live together but separated. The metaphorical house is big enough that we can stay on opposite ends and rarely have to actually interact. That is not the body of Christ. That's a house that's divided, but it looks like it's together. And I would dare to say that in a church this large of almost 800 people, there are some of these fractured relationships where words have been tossed back and forth, whether to the face or behind the back, and there's these splintered, severed relationships that have never come back together. So I urge you this morning as a very real and practical application, and maybe it's in your house. Maybe it's just with one of your kids. Maybe you blew it this week, and you're like, man, I never apologize for that. Maybe it's, it's most likely, it's probably with your wife or your husband. I've been blowing it for a long time, and maybe that's it. I don't know. You recognize where your words have not brought life in that situation. I urge you to truly consider if the Lord is, His Spirit is speaking to you and saying, man, I've got to make this right. I've been letting this hang out for way too long. Then do it. Be obedient to the Spirit's leading. Be faithful. Final thing right here. Use the power of your words to help shape others into the personhood of Christ. Secondly, begin today and ask God to set a guard over the door of your lips. Because honestly, we don't have the right to say whatever we want. And I know because we're Americans, we, we think we do. I'm an American, so I can tell you what I want. And I can unapologetic, uh, unapologetically say it as loud as I want and as offensive as I want. And it's okay! No, you don't, man. The Bible clearly communicates we have got to be intentional with our words. And we've got to ask God to start guarding our lips. I know for me it's been an eye-opening week of study to say, oh, I've got to ask God to, to help me in that. Choose to bless God with your words in regards to how you treat the ones he has made in his likeness. And finally, ask God to strip you of those things maybe that you've been storing up in your life that's producing death 
in other people around you. We are created for more than that. We are created to use what God has given us to bring glory to him and to build his kingdom. This is practice, my friends. This is practice for what we will be doing in all of eternity. And so let us strive. Let us strive hard right now. Say, God, start with me. In my little seat right here, start with me, my heart, and my tongue.